You are listening to a podcast from The National. Global leaders, corporate titans, academics and thinkers are this week gathered in the Swiss ski resort of Davos for the annual World Economic Forum, which began on Tuesday morning. Some 3,000 participants have converged on the Alpine town for this meeting of the global elite, which this year features some 350 sessions centered around issues such as improving global cooperation, embracing the digital revolution, and tackling climate change. Although US President Donald Trump and other world leaders, including UK Prime Minister Theresa May, Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, and India's Narendra Modi, have cancelled their trips to Davos in the face of domestic difficulties, the summit is still the place where strategies for the future will be mapped out, many of which will affect all of us. This is the Business Extra podcast. My name's Chris Nelson, and today I'm joined on the line from Davos by the National's Assistant Editor-in-Chief, Mustafa Al-Rawi, to give us the inside story on developments at the forum. Oh, welcome, Mustafa. Hi, Chris. Good to talk to you. I'm, I'm here in Davos. It's mm-hmm. very snowy, yeah. very cold, but very picturesque. Um, the World Economic Forum kicked off in earnest on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been a very, very busy uh, 24 hours already. Uh, the, the theme this year is reshaping globalization. Uh, they're calling it Globalization 4.0, uh, the idea being that uh, we can leave no one behind in the future, even as if in the last sort of 20, 30 years, while emerging economies like China, like India grew, um, that maybe people in the more developed countries like Western Europe, the US, uh, felt that they didn't necessarily fully benefit from the benefits of globalization. But in fact, um, the undercurrent is, is that you know, economies have been changing anyway because of disruptive technologies and jobs are changing. Uh, the jobs of the future will be different from the ones that have been gone on in the past. And there's a lot of work that needs to be done. And that's and that's the message here, really, that 3000 people have gathered, chief executives, officials, experts, um, journalists, of course, like me. Um, but we're observing more than taking part. And the idea is, what's the next step? How do we go forward? How do we ensure that the conversation is inclusive and that the plan going forward is sustainable? Nobody wants a repeat of 10 years ago with the financial crisis. Yeah. Um, given that the, the theme is globalization, um, uh, for 4.0, we don't have Mr. Trump um, there. And given his America first rhetoric, uh, uh, combined with what appears to be a growing tide of nationalism in, in Europe, you know, not least exemplified by uh, the UK divorce from the EU, and even further afield, such as Mr. Modi's making India for India message, and, you know, China's interpretation seeming to be, uh, interpretation of globalization seeming to be, you know, a world owned by Beijing. Is the pursuit of, of uh, you know, this, this idea of global trade and economic harmony still a major um, driver of, of discussions among delegates? As you say, it's, it's a changing shape, but... Um, is it is it still a kind well, of a it's, shared it's global it looks, vision? It's, 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 well, it's it, it's I think you know the, this this idea that all we need is a Starbucks on every corner and then we'll be fine um, is is no longer relevant, practical, or, or, or fit for purpose. Um, with respect to the coffee chain, um, I use them as a as a loose illustration. Yeah. But um, essentially, last year Donald Trump came here and he he did an America Open for Business speech, 
Uh, we also had uh, India's Prime Minister Modi last year. So you had two, you know, very vocal critics of globalization, very nationalist, populist leaders. But they came here and didn't sort of dress anyone down. They actually kind of spoke um, the same language in a way. And that gave people hope that maybe we could kind of come together. But a year on, and I think it's a lot more skeptical. And as you saw yesterday, or the first day, shall I say, um, of the forum, Brazil's president, uh, Jair Bolsonaro, who is called the Trump of the Tropics, came and gave a similar message of it's a new Brazil and we're open for business and even you know, provided an olive branch in a way because he's a climate change skeptic. And climate change is one of the big issues that are being discussed here. It's a very climate conscious gathering yeah. in Davos. And he even said, look, you know, we can, we can find a balance between action on climate change and economic development. But he got polite applause at the end. There wasn't this feeling of like, yay, this is a new world. Um, obviously, Brazil is the sixth largest economy and not the world's largest like the US. Yeah. But at the same time, I think people now are kind of realizing that talk is cheap, in fact. And, that, and that's kind of the criticism that's always been aimed here at the World Economic Forum. It's just a talking shop. But they're very conscious of this. And, there, and and so there's there's a lot of effort here to try and find some concrete steps. The dialogue is obviously just the beginning, but what's the next step for a framework for what this new world economic order should look like? So you know what are the what are the governance models? What are the um, the, the ethical frameworks that we should or ba- boundaries that we should um, adhere to when it comes to the use of technology? But more importantly. The private sector has to really step up and and, and they have to get past this short termism about what's happening with Brexit, what's happening with um, China growth. And they've got to say, where do we want to be 30 years from now? And that's really what has to happen because we're mid-cycle, and that's what it feels this year. Um, last year, it kind of felt like the beginning of something, but now we're very much in the middle of things. And so we have to maybe step out of that, step out of these rolling crises that are all over the world at the moment and say, okay, how do we plan for the future? Um, obviously, it seems that um, whilst there is a general um, feeling of potentially a slowdown. It seems investors, bankers, and 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 the you know former policymakers attending uh, the WF, um, whilst they feel global expansion is weakening, they don't seem to be thinking that there's any you know great fear of of uh, a recession coming. Is that the kind of general message you're hearing? Well, before I arrived here, I'd spoken to a few people um, in London, actually, and there, there was a global chief executives, and they were very pessimistic. They felt that, you know, we're still dealing, we're still wrestling with the consequences of 10 years ago, and that actually we, we were going to probably move into some prolonged downturn, um, which wasn't what I wanted to hear, I'll be honest with you. Mm. I mean, I don't think anyone wants to hear that. But funny enough, when I got here, um, I've, I've heard a more of an optimistic message from, of all people, chief executives based in the Gulf region. And they're actually very bullish about 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not worried about, you know, short-term political issues. They're not worried even about political issues in the Middle East region. I mean, they're, they're saying we're very resilient. We've actually been dealing with these things all the time. Um, you know, they understand that back home where you are, um, you know, maybe perhaps sentiment is a little bit on the, on the, on the bearish side. And that they, you know, they, for that momentum to change, 
there needs to be some kind of galvanizing trigger. Is it going to happen here at Davos? Unlikely. But what this does is perhaps uh, set, pe- set the tone for the rest of the year and, and get the big multinationals and the big companies in the, in the Gulf and Middle East region thinking, okay, what can we do to kind of spearhead things when we get back home from here? I don't think we can rely on, on elected governments at the moment. Um, uh, I think that's probably the biggest message because they're just dealing with day to day. Today, they don't know what's going to happen at the mm-hmm. moment. Um, you know, you had, you had you know, high profile absentees here like uh, Emmanuel Macron from France. Mm-hmm. He can't leave. Obviously, Donald Trump um, canceled his trip because of the shutdown. So, you know, the day to day, elected officials got too much on their plate. Mm-hmm. So really, it does come down to the private sector to really step up here and fill this leadership gap. And have, have you seen examples as yet? I know it's, it's we're still sort of midway through, but. Um, have you seen examples uh, as yet of of um, major players from from this region um, doing precisely that? You know, uh, forging new allegiances or or, or, or uh, unveiling new uh, new ways forward. Well, we had. Well, I mean, slightly contradicting what I said about governments not not necessarily <laughs> stepping up, but actually the UAE has got a large delegation here. There are eight ministers. And the Crown Prince of Dubai, uh, Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed, is leading it. And there was a big announcement, a very significant announcement on the first day that an advanced uh, research center um, affiliated to the World Economic Forum, what they call a fourth industrial revolution center. Now, that's the force of change in the economy that I was talking about, uh, made by technology. But that research center would be in Dubai. It's Now, it's the first affiliate center in the world not run by the forum, but run independently by the Dubai Future Foundation. Um, and it's, it's, it will give the UAE in particular a lead in contributing to the development of specific technologies, uh, precision medicine, uh, blockchain, and artificial intelligence. And there'll be pilots, pilot projects run out of there, research done out of there, even into genome sequencing, the benefits of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in terms of, of, of the development of technology, and as I said, the framework of how to best to use it, then certainly, you know, the UAE is stepping forward in that regard. Yeah, and of course, given the um, slightly gloomy global economic um, sentiment, you know, the UAE is is indeed a, a rare bright spot. I mean, you know, forecasts for for the economic growth for this country for this year, the rate of certainly is is probably among, if not the highest, among the highest in the world. Well, the DP World Chairman Sultan bin Salehim. Um, I was talking to him yesterday, and he said that, you know, we shouldn't be afraid of these top-line um, economic growth figures, whether it's China at, you know, 6.6% or otherwise, because, um, you know, the, the, what we want is sustainable growth. Mm. Again, I come to that point, nobody wants what happened 10 years ago where the brakes suddenly were applied and everyone was in shock and no one knew what to do. And if you hear what everyone's saying here, there's a lot of young energetic um, leaders here, social entrepreneurs, uh, government members, um, even somebody representing refugees, um, which kind of gives the voice of this disenfranchised. And all they talk about is ethical, sustainable uh, investing, stuff that's good for the environment, that essentially ensures a healthy, beautiful planet for future generations. Now, that's not a bad message to be giving. It's a great message, um, but it is a message. Um, And, you know, with, with... Again, we've got to go back to Mr. Trump's stand on on um, the environment. It, you know, you could argue he's 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 um, denies that there is an environmental crisis potentially looming. Um, how how can we create this beautiful planet unless the world's most powerful economy is not on board with it? Well, it, it's 
it, again, I, I, I'll make that, that point again, that it's not about governments, mm. really. I mean, governments are important. They can facilitate a lot of things. But here, there, another buzzword is, you know, localization. You know, what can we do at a grassroots level? What can each person do in their region, in their environment, in their town? So you, you, you had one of the, the, the co-chairs of the meeting, a Japanese lady, um, Akira Sakana, who in her rural town in Japan that she moved to, actually, they are, by, by next year, they will be zero waste. So, you know, that's, that's one example of what can be done. It doesn't matter what Japan's doing at the national level. Mm. You know, they are making an impact at the local level. And I think in all the regions, the Middle East, the U.S., Europe, Asia, the Pacific, elsewhere, Africa... It's all about what can be done on local level. So, that, so really, the exciting thing is here you can see the you know the thousands of very capable, energetic, ambitious people that do want to work on a local level, and perhaps that's going to be the legacy of this Davos, this this World Economic Forum annual meeting, is that people will be inspired to say, you know what, forget the big picture. There's nothing we can do about that. Mm. You know, the crisis the crises will keep rolling on, but locally, I can make an impact. So, I guess I guess it's it, it might. Might come out that the message is, um, you know, yes, everybody wants a, a beautiful, safe, clean planet, and it is in fact down to everybody to to uh, make that happen, rather than, as you say, leave it to uh, to those people whose hands are tied by domestic issues. Well, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you with the words of uh, Nora Baruba, who's one of the co-chairs. She said, "We will not be silent bystanders anymore." <laughs> you know, they, they, you know, that's. I mean, she's under thirty. She's probably going to be Sweden's prime minister in the future. She's that capable, um, and and she's here giving that message of like, we're going to do stuff. We're not yeah. going to wait for the for the laws, the regulations, for the government to to kind of tell us to do something. We're going to do it. Um, and so, really, there there may not be action this second um, in this. Um, Beautiful, beautiful, picturesque Swiss resort. Yeah. But certainly, the, the message is: you know, as soon as we get out of here, we're going to keep doing what we've been doing. So, you think when we look back on on Davos 2019, it, it will be uh, perhaps seen as a tipping point in in, in you know a, a major tipping point in um, in the attitude of basically of the human race towards where it lives. Well, perhaps Davos itself isn't the tipping point, but perhaps it's a little bit of a reflection of what's going on out there. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit of a, a, an insight into, you know, because it's difficult to, to see what, if, it's very, if stuff is happening very localized, very regional, it's very difficult to see that in one place. Um, and so this is probably, you know, giving a snapshot of that. So it isn't really what's happening at Davos, but rather Davos is a, a kind of window onto that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well... Um Wrap up warm, stay warm, uh, Mustafa. Uh, I'm sure it's beautiful there, as you say. Um, And thank you very much for your time today. Thanks, Chris. Good talking to you. Many thanks to Mustafa for that uh, inside view of uh, the summit at Davos this week. My name's Chris Nelson. Many thanks to Kevin Jeffers, our sound engineer also. That was the Business Extra podcast. Join us again next week.